Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Welcome to the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast, a podcast resource for the church as we seek to be faithful with and for young people in all settings and sizes. I am Cliff Haddocks, also known as Rev and Geek, and I'm here with Michelle Thomas-Bush. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. I'm uh, glad to be with you, a famous TikToker now, uh, Cliff. <laughs> uh, we are here today with uh, Nathan, and Nathan, I don't know if you know that Cliff is um, just, uh, he's become so grand on TikTok. I, 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 it's such a funny thing because people say you're TikTok famous, and I'm like, there are a lot of people way, 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 way bigger than me, but you know, I'll, I'll take it, I you, guess. You it, are, I guess. my young people follow you. So, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I have um, other people and I'm grateful that my young people have another pastor to follow. Okay. Who is I will take that. Great, great theology. So I'm grateful for that. So okay. uh, are y'all telling me I got to get on TikTok? I've let, avoided it. Let me I've tell you. Okay. It. Okay. Well, Nathan, here, we'll take a well, quick, we'll talk. Yeah. Let's introduce Nathan, t- Nathan and then we'll talk TikTok, but Nathan, let's get you in here. So today we have with us uh, Nathan Wheeler, who is the coordinator of youth and young adult ministries for a discipleship ministry team of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Nathan, you've been in ministry with youth and young adults for almost 20 years, and you've served in the PCUSA, the United Methodist Church, Cumberland Presbyterian Congregations, and besides ministry, Nathan creates music at NathanWheelerMemphisBandCamp.com. Nathan, it is wonderful to have you here for all of those reasons and more. And Nathan also has a new book that just came out called A Faith of Their Own, A Theological Field Guide for Youth Ministry. And we'll get to that in a minute, but let's break down TikTok. Okay. Okay. So number one, now let's wait. I know what TikTok is. Yes. Now I know what it is. Let's not go that far. Yeah. Yeah. But I ain't on there. But I totally understand what most people's presumption of what tiktok is because of how it's marketed i I know a lot of people think it's just a bunch of kids doing dances and people doing challenges and that stuff is totally there i I do love the salad lab tiktok that's one of my favorites the which one the salad lab the lady salad lab the the man with the pot you gotta Uh love the man with the pot who cooks out in the woods yeah yeah have you have you discovered old time hockey no, I need. He's to a Canadian. Back. He's a Canadian who just every night's like, "Well, hello, buddy. Come on inside and have a nice little cup of tea." And he just kind of okay. he he very calmly talks to you about what we're gonna do and how we're gonna calm down. And it's just it's like my soothing little thing every night. So, this is the thing. So Nathan, what I do love about Cliff is Cliff does a word of the day, and mm-hmm. it's not all a theological word. I thought it was for a while. Sometimes and it is. It, sometimes it is. But it's the word of the day, and uh, it's just a lot of fun and reflective. Yeah. So, so I mean, right. here's what I will say about TikTok. TikTok is what you put into it and how much time you spend engaging with it. It will figure out who you are and what you like, and it will cater toward providing stuff that you're interested in. When I first started, yes, I saw kids doing doing dances. 
I saw you know, videos. I saw, yeah, I, I saw all those things that you would come to expect. But now I get people having theological discussion and deconstruction discussion and issues about justice and all of that. That's that's the glut of what I get now because it's like, oh, you like that stuff? We'll keep giving you that stuff, especially if you're producing and you're making stuff along those lines. Here's some other people you might like. And you eventually start to develop a nice community. I mean, I have a good online community of folks that are other, you know, content creators that we, you know, we're our, you know, we're our own little gang and we, you know, we're, 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 we're duetting off each other and stitching off each yeah, other and that's fun. giving people advice, but yeah, come on. And I mean, then, Nathan, I think you would fit in just fine. And then uh, most Nathan, of my you... TikTok consumption is happening on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that. A lot of that. Okay. But as a musician, I have a feeling you'd have a very, a very good time in there. Yeah, there's some great music pieces in, yeah. on uh, TikTok. But then you have the algorithm for my youth group TikTok mm-hmm. because different people put have the password and put on TikToks on the youth group. So the algorithm is totally messed up. Mm-hmm. And it is not fun to watch. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all over the place. And so I know when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking this is not what I want to be watching on my TikTok mm-hmm. because it's all kinds of strange things. Um, yeah. So the algorithm, as much as I hate that people, you know, cater to me um, and know me, I also like it. But I think that there's a great jumping point into a discussion here, which is yeah. that we are drawn toward that, which does not challenge us as much. And that, which feels familiar and in the exploration of the FYP is very parallel to how we go about our understanding of theological, you know, understanding of our world. We Mm -hmm. have a way that we have been raised and brought up and understood. And then we have something that doesn't fit with all the other pieces we have. And we have to make a choice. Do we adjust and integrate or do we reject or do we throw out the old to take on the new? And that's an mm. interesting minefield to walk into. So, uh, and that's so, what this book is about, isn't it, Nathan? Yeah, it's interesting to write about a book uh, that deals with theology and youth ministry when there is not one time do I mention the word deconstruction. Mm. Seems like I missed the mark, but ultimately, I feel like some of our deconstruction could be uh, probably helped where people don't feel the need to go that far uh, if we just expanded a little bit of what we uh, dealt with when it comes to youth ministry and theology. A lot of the stuff that I see people talk about deconstruction, I'm like, oh, well, I can see why you would want to deconstruct that. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I can see why you want to move beyond that thinking and I think a lot of that is reinforced within our own youth ministry circles. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about your book and, and how you got here. Well, the pandemic happened. So there's one uh, reason, <laughs> uh, still happening, I guess. Um, yeah. So for me, theology has always been super important to me. Uh, you know, for me, it's personal of why I felt like there needed to be an expansion in theology and youth ministry, because that's really how I started to latch on to faith was uh, a movement beyond the theology that I was given as a child and as a kid. And 
So all of that kind of happened in a moment and kind of spread out. And I talk about that in the book, but ultimately well, it's kind of I, twofold with that. Yeah, I think the, the idea that we need to widen our theological lens, I think all young people are gonna latch on to that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they're ready for that. And so I think this book is very timely. Yeah, the hope is that the the willingness of the students will uh, the that the people who are doing the teaching and the leading will catch up with that and mm -hmm. lean into that a little bit. Um, there is a hesitancy of doing that because there is a comfort in what we know and what we believe, mm -hmm. and that's why we regurgitate it, and that's why we teach it, and that's why we lean on it. Um, you know, for me, it's a personal thing, but also just in a, looking at the landscape of youth ministry. I think we can all agree that our working in youth ministry, there is a decline, not only in probably the students that we see in our in our ministries, but just a decline in more and more young people finding the Christian faith to be something viable and sustainable for their life. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of yeah. explain it a lot of times of I see a lot of students who once they reach college or a little bit older, uh, they consider faith like they did when they played t-ball or baseball in school. It's something I did when I was younger, but now I don't do that anymore. Like faith is something that you just did for a time and no longer makes any, you know, dent or makes any sense to the life that you're trying to lead. And a lot of that, I think, comes from the fact that uh, it just doesn't match up to the experiences of life that they've gone through. And it doesn't yeah. have yeah. doesn't have a way of speaking to those things. And so they look in other directions to find that. So for me, I think there needs to be an engagement with theology, youth ministry, but a widening of it, mm -hmm. because I see tons of books and I see tons of resources that talk about a myriad of ways that we could probably help younger people navigate faith and their life experiences. But I haven't seen a ton of books that talk about expanding theology. I see a lot of talking about we need to lean back into orthodox faith and classical notions of faith and those kinds of things. Uh, but I, I think that we do that already. So what would be different theologically? It's probably bringing in some new perspectives that we might not be exploring so much in a, in a intentional way, or as I say in the book, an implicit way in our youth ministries. In, in a lot of the online discussions that I've been a part of, uh, there's been a lot of talk about how theology has got to be able to breathe a little bit. You know, you, you got to be, you, 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 and unfortunately, in the face of things like, you know, those young people who have walked away from faith because, like you said, it fell in this category of things they did when they were younger, or those who have gone as far as doing a heavy deconstruction or just even rethinking a few things. For some in leadership, the the response has been to be more rigid, like you said, to be more orthodox and to be be more, you know, depending on the denomination, well, do you want to go to hell? Because that's where you're headed because you're you're not thinking right. And, you know, and for those who were, you know, seeking the 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 faith that they heard about when they were young, which was a loving, accepting and and nurturing faith to then get turned into this, well, you better start believing the right way or you, we're going to throw you out type of setting. It, it's causing a crisis for some of these people. And if we can if we can start telling them early on, it's okay for them to breathe a little bit in this space, then hopefully that carries through because I mean- I like that breathe. Yeah, because I remember, you know, my first year of seminary and 
that was the biggest bunch of chucking stuff out the window and having to rebuild from scratch that, you know, most people would ever go through. And, you know, I wouldn't say that my faith was destroyed by that. I would say that my faith was greatly freed. built up by that. It was, yeah, yeah it was freed. Um, but like, are we to say that young people can't handle that? They absolutely can handle that. I just saw a story recently. Um, I think it might've been 60 minutes. It could have been CBS Sunday morning. I don't remember, but uh, a group of young people in this small town in New York, uh, there was no EMTs because uh, everybody had quit during the pandemic. And wow. This group of high school students found out that you could be 17 years old and be a licensed EMT. And so they went and got their license and they're the ones running the ambulances in town. Saving wow. People. So to me, wow. if young people can do that, I think yeah. I can trust them with a little bit more. Okay, let me let me then challenge it a little bit, Nathan, because I'm teaching confirmation eighth grade and reading some faith statements. And I'm finding that after a couple years of the pandemic, their faith, they don't have the words for faith anymore. And so when we used to have, you know, a couple pages of a face statement, now we have a short paragraph because they don't know. And sometimes those that short paragraph is pretty concise and good, um, but they don't have a lot of language for it. So what's that about? You know, the difference, you know, I see that where they're searching for meaning and purpose, but then you have people who aren't even in that place anymore. And maybe that's the comfortableness, the people who are stuck in that comfortable place. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, historical terms, theological terms that are passed on, uh, you know, it depends on which context you grew up in. You know, for me, I grew up in a Baptist uh, church. We didn't do a whole lot of liturgical things. I probably didn't know, uh, anything about regeneration and justification and uh, sanctification. And, uh, you know, we called it the Lord's Supper and things like that. So just going to a different church when I was a teenager and kind of just hearing that exploration of theology opened right. my mind, let alone in a, in a space that where faith doesn't make sense anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, they've, they've come up against something that didn't have much uh, precedent in their own lives. And now they're having to, you know, figure it out. Uh, yeah. And I, I think for a lot of kids, they haven't been in the sanctuary or in the worship space for a couple of years. And so just the language of it has escaped them. And it's I think not that, that they're not hungry for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's a beauty in, in some of these other theological lenses that pushes past maybe the classical understandings mm -hmm. or thinkings of theology to might meet this moment a little better. Mm. Maybe what the, you know, just trying to do a classical confirmation and our own thinking of Methodism or Presbyterianism or whatever, right, right. what language we put towards that. Mm. Uh, bringing these in conversation with those might be helpful because there's life experiences that I think these lenses maybe lean into or speak to in a different way. Okay. So the, talk about these lenses. Go ahead. Cliff. No, I, I was just thinking a, a little bit as we talk about, as we just, we're talking about like the structure they're used to having of like the space and we enter the space and we do this thing in this space and that not being there. 
Um, I think of for myself, one of the frustrating things of in my time uh, that I've, you know, working with like the children's sermon there, like they're, they think they know the answer. They want to get right to the answer because they, they want, they want to give the answer they think makes everybody happy. And well, it's Jesus or it's God or it's the Holy Spirit and trying to not, not always have it fall into the answer they expect mm-hmm. and how though we haven't had that time, we haven't had that repetition. We haven't had all of those things. So what better time than to allow an exploration of what else we can imagine? What better time to say, hey, let's look outside what we've always done because we can't do what we've always done. And right. and this this I've tried through this whole situation to say, what is our opportunity in this? And I think that what you're talking about, Nathan, here, this is a, this is an opportunity. We, 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 we would probably have no better time than the current time to explore the kind of things we're talking about here. So let's talk lenses. Yes. Yeah, so talk about the draft. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I would say first, it, it's helpful to know that I, I believe most of the ways that we teach theology uh, or speak theologically in youth ministry is implicit. We don't do a lot of explicit teaching when it comes to theology, um, unless you're in a very fundamental, maybe kind of setting, which, you know, then maybe you're a little more explicit. But just in general, the way that we act and do and move and the things that we produce and the events that we hold have implicit theological understandings attached to all of those things. Yeah, and I think, mm -hmm. Nathan, I think uh, of my own uh, theology and youth ministry, I think, yeah, we've talked about that, but you might not not have been there for that one thing. So it has to be implicit because if you weren't there for the one time we talked about what it is, then you missed it. So we try to do that implicit theology because you're not, everybody's going to be there for everything. So, and also we're not all, we're not experts at any theology and that's yeah. where draft gets into uh, notion. I, I was trying to think of a way of explaining not only how we teach, but what we teach. And in a, in a general sense, uh, we teach something that I call draft, which is we teach a dominant regional affluent folklore theology, which when you hear that, I think the initial response is to say that's negative. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we need to recognize in ourselves there's a comfortable space of theological exploration that we're willing to go. And we typically pull from things that speak to that and teach from that way, particularly when there are questions that rub up against it. uh, We even lean further into that notion or that draft. And if that is true, which I think it is true, that there is a general draft. Uh, then we can look at the landscape of Christianity and know that that's not speaking to a majority of younger people. There are less and less people who are finding our draft as a, their faith to lean into as they move towards uh, this journey that we're on in life. So there is a way to kind of combat that, which, you know, there's lots of different ways probably to to lean into ways of uh, understanding. I chose four theological lenses to to explore in the book that I feel like are less dominant within youth ministry. 
It's not that they don't come up and it's not that they don't exist in some spaces, but just in the general landscape, I don't pull uh, books from the, the big youth ministry curriculum resources and find a lot about liberation theology. I feel like that that's saved mm, yeah. for a, lo- a later space. And I don't think it needs to be saved. I think it needs to be introduced into youth ministry. Yeah. If we want to see a, see more young people find a faith of their own. Nathan, this is how I learned theology when I was in graduate school and my master's in Christian education was learning about process theology, liberation theology, feminist theology, but I'm intrigued by radical theology. Um, I was at the Presbyterian School of Christian Education, which no longer exists or has been absorbed into Union Seminary. Um, And I loved that being taught theology that way instead of just learning from John Calvin and, you know, Bart. And so, so talk to us about these dead different white guys. Dead, yeah. Dead white guys. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about these. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I tried to lean into these four because I think one, they have ways of talking about the things we talk about youth ministry differently. And they do have something that can be added to the wider theological landscape of youth ministry. For one, I think process, uh, though a philosophical movement to begin with, and then moved into a Christian kind of framework, uh, they do a lot of talking about how God is open and relational. They lean into this idea that uh, God is not just loving, but really talk about how God is the manifestation or God is love. And uh, for instance, there's this quote that I use in the book uh, that talks about the universe. And uh, it goes uh, talking about how God of all the universe works in the world, but not on the world. Because I think there is this idea that God pulls in and pulls out of the world. But process Mm -hmm. helps us to see that God's in the world all the time. And God cares about all creation, not just us humans, but the water, the land, plants and animals. And that we're in relationship with this God who is love through this interconnectedness. I think a lot of students would find a lot of find a, uh, find a lot of help and healing in that. There are a lot exactly. of students that care about our planet and climate change and environmental issues. Process is a great and, way of exploring that. And they want the church to care about that. For sure. And it's a great way to show that the church has cared about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This isn't process. Isn't like something isn't new. that just came up. Yeah. This is something that's been around for a while. Uh, we just don't talk about it a whole lot because it is. And, and I will say that process is. Uh, uh, it can be difficult at times to put your put your finger on what it's saying and what it means. But ultimately, I think that there's a lot of space there within that theological lens to to help young people think about God. Well, one of the things that that strikes me is that, and I can't remember the name of this of this law, but like it, I can't remember if it's Ohm's law or something. But, but it talks about how the 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 human the, the the total the total amount of human knowledge doubles after every so many years, and how like there was a time that it was you know. 200 years, we would double in knowledge. And then it was in 10 years, we double in knowledge. And now we're doing it at a rate of like every six months because of everything we have learned, because of the ways we apply computer technology, because of we double the knowledge of what humans know and understand every six months. So if we're going to not allow 
new ways of understanding theology to come in and say, well, no, we'll just keep using the same old models we've always used, whereas the rest of the world blitzes on ahead. Our young people are used to learning at a much faster rate now. My daughter goes to STEM school and, like, is coding in her class, which – you know, that blows my mind. She's And, and she's like, Dad, you don't know. I'm like, no, I never had a chance to learn how to. That was that was something that would not have been offered at my age. So, like, at your age. So, like, I, I, that's... Did you have you, computers in school at yes, your age? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We had a TRS-80 uh, that we had to hook a tape machine up to. And then we got the big upgrade to the, the big, you know, seven-inch floppy disk while I was there. But... Yeah. But I mean, but it was like it was one computer in one class, and that was like where we were at. And now she has her own computer she brings home every day. She's working on coding for her class as a fun mm-hmm. uh, extra credit project. They're building in their own video game. So like this is stuff that like everywhere else in their lives, they're being pushed to understand and explore areas that they haven't. So why do we why do we then clamp down and say, oh no, but let's not do that with our understanding of God. Let's not do that with our theology. Let, here here's the same felt board we've been using for twenty years, and let's do use, well, let's use it one more time. That's what we're doing. Yeah, but exactly. they're, they're learning. Yeah, you know our young oh, yeah. people are out are learning about theology and about God in in all kinds of ways. And yeah. I think Nathan, you're you're spot on with this book that uh, that we need to catch up. That when you said we need to lean into where our young people are, the leaders need to. I think that's spot on um, because that's our young people are already learning about um, theology in ways that are that are different and creative and imaginative, and um, we need to learn from them as well. And help them to see the experiences that they're having might actually have language within the Christian framework. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Though it's not showing up in their uh, community or in their church or in their youth pastor or whatever, it, it exists out there. Um, you know, and I, I think also in it's it's not that we can eliminate leaning into the theology that gives us comfort and mm-hmm. gives us a faith. Uh, it's just helping young people find their own faith too, mm-hmm. because we're not trying to make clones of ourselves as far as I know. Uh, Cause if we are, we're doing a terrible job at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're doing a terrible right, right. job. So ho- hopefully uh, in some ways we can learn a little bit more alongside our students as mm-hmm. well, and not always come at it as we're the experts in faith we're the authority mm-hmm. in faith. No, we can learn from one another. I think that's a beautiful thing in youth ministry mm-hmm. is that we do that a lot. We learn from our students. We learn from the young people we're in relationship with. So we are, uh, the big ideas in youth ministry, we like some practical skills. So this is a a field guide to youth ministry. So what are some some practical skills that youth leaders can take to use in their youth ministry to begin to widen that lens of theology? What are you doing in your church work, in the work with any young people that you're in connection with that that are practical tools? Because this is great theory, but what happens on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think for one, one of the things we can do is familiarize ourselves with these different lenses. And that's the hope with the, the second whole part of the book is to talk about theological concepts that come up in youth ministry, sin, Jesus, uh, you know, relationships, those kinds of things that we talk about a lot, and then filter them through uh, these four different lenses, process, liberation, feminist, and radical. So my hope is the book is a practical guide unto itself. Mm. It gives uh, examples on how to implicitly teach that. And whether that be looking at uh, creation or looking at a film or looking at art or anything like that, but also attaching language to movements as well. I just think about liberation theology being this movement towards justice and equity in our world. And society and talking about how we're a part of that mission of the church to to seek justice mm-hmm. i think a lot of people uh in some ways think the mission of the church is to spread the gospel and you know evangelize people and stuff like that but liberation kind of pulls us back to say well another way of sharing your faith is to help the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed so i, th- I think those are like general things that i can think about as far as being helpful uh, is to lean into a little bit of learning. I think. Well, I and you talk about yeah. in as an example in the liberation theology section on prayer. You talk about that uh, prayer. We usually think about you know uh, we're asking God for something, and that praying could be doing something. And so maybe we begin to think about prayer that comes in different forms. And maybe that's joining in the struggle for justice in our world. And we offer that prayer to God. And so um, maybe when we are doing mission work, it's not a transactional process, but it is a prayer that we're offering for our family, for our neighbors. Um, and and that becomes a process uh, yeah. that we do through the lens of liberation theology. Yeah, I was thinking of, a, a, you know, something that might be helpful in a feminist uh, perspective mm-hmm. or an idea is one of the ways that it talks about communion in a mm-hmm. feminist perspective is to not focus so much on the death of Christ but the birth of Christ mm. new mm. new people new world that we go into this world uh, you know and I think that that would be helpful language sometimes uh, to not I, I was just thinking about church I visited one time on Easter and all their songs are about dead bloody Jesus and I'm just like well Maybe this isn't the day for that. I don't yeah. know. There might be one day that we don't have to talk about that. Uh, but ultimately, I think that those are certain ways to to think about these in a practical. Well, I remember one uh, Sunday going into uh, finishing a Sunday morning and one of my clergy uh, colleagues said, I'm not sure I believe what we just said. Mm. He said, I believe Easter. I believe in the power of resurrection, but the liturgy today did not stick with me. Mm. And he said, we need to rewrite that. Mm. Um, And that was so, that's so important. And I think it's exactly what you were talking about is that the, he would have loved that language of the birthing of something new uh, and the new, new world and a new people together. And, um, and even some of the messiness of that. Uh, he would have loved that language. But when he was saying it, he said, this doesn't resonate with me anymore. And he said, I've been saying it for 40 years and it doesn't fit with me. 
and he said, I look out at the faces and I don't think it fits with them. One of the, one of the things that, um, that I'm, I'm curious about Nathan is as you have, have crafted this, you've worked on the book and you reflect back, what have been some aha, they're getting this moments where Mm -hmm. the youth you have worked with are like enacting this in some way that they they're putting their faith together in a new way that made you go, Oh my goodness, that's Holy spirit right there. Give give me some inspiration here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. And and that's this, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm excited about what this could be uh, when it comes to youth ministry is that there are aha moments in a lot of students' lives uh, and they don't always happen all in a singular moment. Uh, so you might catch one kid getting it while the other ones are lost or don't get it, or it's not making an impact. It's not like going to a trinium, for instance, where every kid is yeah. on board sitting day weekend and week out in youth ministry. It's not like an aha for everybody. So Nathan, so, you're not yeah. saying, you're saying that like, here's, it's not this tool that's going to be the aha. Like I'm yeah. not going to give you this one tool. Yeah. Yeah. I, That's going to create an aha for everybody. I think one of my favorite things about youth ministry is watching things build, mm-hmm. watching their faith kind of take steps. Uh, there's a scaffolding that happens in the journey of faith. So one of the examples I use in the book that I thought was, it was interesting to see people's responses is everybody knows that song, how he loves. Mm-hmm. You probably heard it a thousand times at some church or some event all i did was change he to she mm-hmm. i just changed what how we referred to god in the song and to see people see it on the screen and see their responses that they took it in i think opened up pathogens and pathways to speak about god in a holy new light and all it was was just a little flip of the language that we have i think Sometimes we we make youth ministry uh, a little more difficult than it needs to be when mm-hmm. it comes to seeking out ways to help younger people expand their faith or deepen their faith. Sometimes all it is is just changing the lyrics to mm-hmm. a song. I think up something new. Nathan, I do think this generation is because pronouns are so important mm-hmm. for them and they recognize how um, identity is critical, but how expansive pronouns help somebody be that they are starting to see that for God mm-hmm. and that God is not limited to any pronouns. And so I think that we're going to see that more and more. And that's, I think, going to trouble maybe some of the older members of the mm-hmm. congregation or the, even their parents. But I saw that in some face statements this year where, uh, you know, we always had the he for God, but we had the he, she for God um, mm. and the they uh, for God. Um, and I thought that was beautifully written by people um, who were really trying to have a more expansive image of God um, and and do that through the pronouns. So I think you're right in that there are some ways we can really um, invite our young people into that space. I think for me, what I would love this to do is like we talked about earlier, kind of meet the moment, meet where students, where they really are. I think we need some aha moments in youth workers. Mm. 
Mm. We need some aha moments in youth workers to see some change in direction, see some change in what they're pulling from and how they're educating themselves. My hope is that this is a piece of that, just like so many other books have been for me, uh, just seeking out aha moments to, to try to meet the moment. Because like you said, Michelle, like students are already moving forward in a direction that I think some of us are just starting to even think about being comfortable with. So how do we meet that moment? Well, and, and honestly, it used to be that you didn't talk about that. You know, we might've been there, like Cliff and I, well, Nathan, you've been in youth ministry a long time too, but 20 years ago, we didn't talk about some of those things. It might've been like, okay, you know, I know you're thinking about things a little bit different. So why don't you wait after and we'll talk about that, but don't share it with the whole group, you know, and, um, I let's do this over coffee. Doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's do some coffee because your doubts are not really doubts. You're thinking bigger about God. And mm-hmm. and we believe that too. Now that's being said in the larger world. And what a gift mm-hmm. that that we have now. So I I love this opportunity that we have and I love this resource uh that we have to think about, you know how do we challenge our old theology and the way we've done things? Um, This is really going to push us, I think, in how we do some youth ministry and it needs to, to move us into the next step. Um, Because don't you all, both of you agree that if we don't change youth ministry is, is really going to struggle. It's struggling now. Yeah. And so, yeah, for sure. I, I And again, I, I don't think that this is the purpose-driven life of uh, youth ministry here. Yeah. I don't think it's the, the cure-all for all things. I just think Nathan, it's I'm not sure there were, are some youth directors and youth ministry folks that would know what you're talking about, but <laughs> Cliff, Cliff and I do. <laughs> I remember back in those days. Uh, well, I think they should look it up. It was a yeah. you know, wonderful time. That's right. Uh, Christianity. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is that our, specifically if we want to talk about being Presbyterian, at our core, we're supposed to be reformed and always reforming. You know, we, we, we have always been in a sense of, of flux and change and new understanding and making creedal statements and making changes to our book of order when we knew something wasn't right, when we knew something was unjust. It's, it's, it should be in our DNA. So if it's going to be in our DNA, it needs to continue to be in our DNA, not just, okay, we've changed as much as we wanted to, and now we're stopping. We're stopping with the changing because I like it as it is now, and I can't deal with any more change. So stop with the changing. You know, that, that can't be who we are. It can't be reformed, and then now we're stopping. You know, no, no. We, we're, we're supposed to always be doing this and always looking at new ways to examine things and crack them open and look at them and understand them. Um, and that's my prayer for us is that if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to teach kids what reformed theology, where it came from, we got to at least also point them toward where it's going. So Nathan, I'm going to suggest that uh, a faith of their own, a theological field guide for youth ministry. uh, One way I would love to see this being used is in youth ministry cohorts. So in presbytery groups, if there are um, places that, youth ministers gather, youth directors gather, volunteers in youth ministry gather, or if you have a youth council, um, 
or a faith formation council in your church that this would be a great resource for them to read together um, and explore what theology we're doing together in youth ministry. I think that would be a great uh, resource for them. Um, and so those are two ideas I would suggest. Any other suggestions y'all have for ideas we could use that how we could use this in ministry? I would love to see students explore this book and Amen. see what they're what what they're getting from it and and how they relate to it in some ways or not. Nathan, we do um in the summer um like uh fast food Fridays and we do a different chapter every week and I could see this being a book um for the summer when they're thinking they're not they don't have so much on their plate thinking about school. So I could see that definitely being something where we work through. Yeah, I'm hopeful that in the coming months uh there'll be some uh some fine-tuning of some resources possibly coming out of this. I hope that somebody's inspired to to take this idea and run with it. People who are uh, deep thinkers in process or liberation or feminist and radical and try to uh, help youth ministry uh, thrive. Because I think it's vital. I still think it matters regardless of, you know, even though uh, someone wrote a book is at the end of youth ministry. Uh, it's the end of a type of youth ministry for sure. Mm -hmm. I think we all have seen that Amen. end for a long time, but I think youth ministry is still vital. It definitely is. Well, thank you for your time today. We're grateful for uh, the conversation um, and for spending some time with you. And thank you for your book. Thank you guys for having me on and I will uh, catch y'all on TikTok. <laughs> this has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation. <laughs>